Hello, welcome to Dying to Talk. I'm Buddy Feneff, a fourth generation funeral director in New Hampshire and the owner of Feneff Funeral Homes and Crematorium and the founder of the Cremation Society of New Hampshire. My co-hosts today are Mandy Damaris and Madison Smith, both longtime funeral directors with our firm. Hello, I'm Mandy. Thanks for joining us on Dying to Talk. Hi, I'm Madison. We're excited to discuss some frequently asked questions about the funeral industry. Dying to Talk is a lighthearted and upbeat discussion of those topics no one really wants to talk about. Each episode, we will choose a subject that is related to funeral service, the cremation process, or death and dying. On this week's show, we will be talking about funeral celebrants and non-traditional funeral ceremonies. Our guest is Victoria Schneider. She's a professional funeral celebrant. We've had quite a bit of experience over the years with celebrants, and um, before we have Victoria come on, why don't, um, why don't we talk a little bit about what your experiences are with celebrants, the roles of celebrants, how we've been able to, to leverage the use of celebrants in our business day to day? Well, in my experience with families that, um, that I've served, um, when they elect to have a celebrant, it seems that they really appreciate the highly customized service that a celebrant provides. Um, they tend to spend a great deal of time getting to know the family, getting to know their loved one who's passed away, and uh, really customizing a service that is true to the decedent and um, really touches the hearts of the families, um, you know, family members that are grieving. And to elaborate on what Mandy said, these families are looking for a more personalized service. They're even able to include photo slideshows or music to add to the personalization and to the emotional healing of the ceremony. Um, so most families that we serve that choose to have a celebrant are looking for these types of services that can be held inside the funeral home rather than at a church or at a cemetery. Now, it's interesting because my family started in funeral service in 1906, and back in those days, everybody went to church. Even 10 years ago, um, in New England, especially New Hampshire, you really wouldn't see dedicated chapels and funeral homes. Everyone went off to a church or to a cemetery, um, and as we have built funeral homes and retrofitted um, and updated our existing firms, we've actually added chapels. Um, the reality is people are less churched in going to church less frequently, and as a result, there are more and more services in the funeral home and a bigger demand for, for celebrant. Good morning, Victoria. Welcome to Dying to Talk. Good morning. So we have lots of questions for you this morning. Hopefully we can get through, um, through most of them. Um, our first question, Mandy, if you want to ask, please. Yeah, um, Vic, as a question that I get a lot as a funeral director is, how on earth did you get into this line of work? So that's my question to you. How in the world did you get into this? I've been doing this, I've been doing funeral work since I was 14 years old. Um, so that's a long time. We won't go into how long, <laughs> but that's a long time. And mostly, as Buddy was referring to before, it entailed going to churches and singing and playing during this, the funeral service. Um, however, I believe it was... We're going on six years ago now that Buddy called me one day and said, I've been working with you for 20 to 25 years, and we're thinking about doing in-house service services. We need an in-house celebrant. Would you be interested in doing it? Because I know your work, and I've been working with you, and I think you would, you would do this um, well. So I said, I'm honored. So he asked me, and it took about nine months, I think, before the first person came forward and said, I'd really like this. So that's what we did. Because it did, it did take a little bit. We need to explain to people how it was different. Because in the past, when people would say, 
oh, we don't want a religious ceremony. It was Uncle Jack getting up and saying a eulogy and maybe mentioning a funny anecdote unscripted. And then people realized they wanted something in between, you know, Uncle Jack doing it and a full traditional service, which is where I think the celebrant fills a very, very um, needed, needed place in funeral service. Victoria, can you help um, explain to us what is the difference between the services that you offer than that of a traditional Catholic priest or a Protestant minister? You mean between doing an in-house service and Correct. going to a church? Mm-hmm. Well, if, if for instance, um, a family is Catholic and they want a typical Catholic Mass, we, don't, we can't do that because the celebrant or the priest would offer the Catholic Mass. But if you... If, if a person is Catholic, but they choose perhaps to, to do an in-house service in the funeral home, um, the difference is that, one, I'm not an ordained priest. However, I meet with the family and can provide for them the readings they would like, if they would like readings, the prayers they would like, if they like prayers, and the, a homily directed um, with the deceased as a a focus, a remembrance and a celebration of their life. And the focus of the in-house service is, uh, it's 100% about the person who crossed over. Um, So the difference is that there's not as much ritual, although, having said that, we can incorporate soft rituals into the ceremony itself. So we get an email question um, during the week from Elaine from Concord, and her question was, you meet with families ahead of time. How much, how much time on average do you find that you're meeting with families? Is it over the phone? Is it in person? Is it five minutes? Is it five hours? What's your, what's your experience? That's such a great question, Elaine, um, if you're listening to this, this particular uh, broadcast. Um, I tend to meet mostly uh, over the phone with people, but if people want to meet here in the funeral home, I'm amenable to that. When I do make a phone consult with the family, I'm on the phone with them for 30 to 45 minutes prior to doing any service work at all. And that is a very special time um, because it is at that time that I find out little bits and pieces of, of, about, the, about the person who has passed on. And, but it's very difficult for people to articulate everything they want to say over the phone. So it's getting to know the family first and, and telling them at the end of the conversation, I'm yours for the next four or five days or until the, the service actually takes place. And it is in that very tender time that I get to sense um, how they're grieving and what their questions may be and can they articulate the questions and what their needs are. I think that's one of the attractions for, for celebrants because even traditional clergy who we have wonderful priests and ministers and, um, and Buddhist monks that will meet with families, but it, it's, not, you know, it's not the two to three to four hours. It's, it's a few minutes before because of their schedule. And I right. think people appreciate the, the customization and the personalization that a celebrant can bring to the table where maybe a traditional um, pastor cannot for, you know, based on their schedule or for a variety of other reasons. You've mentioned the um, the tender times and the intimacy of the work that you do. Um, I imagine that there are services that um, that you do that are incredibly, incredibly trying um, and and draining on you emotionally. Are there any, have there has there ever been a time when you've thought to yourself, "I just don't know if I can keep doing this kind of work. It's just too hard." 
Actually, no. No matter how hard it's been. And I think that's because I, and I just have to say this, um, and I don't, I don't mean to be derogatory in any way, but I don't think this is work that just anybody can do. Right. I think you have to really want to do this work. You have to really love people and you have to be able to listen between the lines when they're speaking because you have to um, extract from what they're saying what they need. They don't always articulate their needs. So is can it be draining emotionally? Yes, but that's my job to, um, I have to take care of my own needs and, and make sure that I don't get so drained that I don't want to do it. But I'm always, um, I'm here to serve, and I love the work. So yes, there are times um, when it's very, very difficult, and I just compassionately put myself in their shoes and say, oh, you know, this must be just really, they're, they're in so much pain. That you, you made an interesting point about being passionate about it, because even in our, in our funeral home trade magazines, you see ads every month about, oh, pay $299 and learn how to be a celebrant. And, and I've had staff members over the years say, oh, I'm interested in becoming a celebrant. What? There's a big difference between I'm interested or I'm passionate. Yes. Um, and we could have a lot of interested celebrants. If, unless you're passionate about it, it's not going to come across as a meaningful service or ceremony. You have to be real. You have to meet them on a very real level, mm-hmm. and you have to be real about it. Uh, and that comes through, and they mm-hmm. feel it. They're going to feel it one way or the other. Compassion is not learned. You either have it or you don't, exactly. and you need it for this. Exactly. Victoria, with such a great heart um, to outreach to these families and, and meet them at the place that they are, where do you pull your inspiration from to continue this work? I can't remember well I can remember a time when I didn't do it that's when I was 13 but from the time (laughs) I started doing this I just get re-energized because one I love people one I have a very strong belief in the other side um and I just know that their loved ones continue on in spirit and um and there are people who we've served who don't actually believe that there is anything on the other side, but I honor them as well because their belief is always, uh, their focus in this lifetime has always been to love and to serve while they're here. So when I'm doing a ceremony for them, I will always focus on the fact that they were loving and they were of service. So, um, but I draw my strength from, I meditate. Um, I, I do a lot of work with, um, the other side, I guess. I call upon my, I call it my benevolent unseen team, which are my guardian angels, which are my guides, which are, so I, I have a strong, strong, um, I, I want to say spiritual force behind me, and it really gives me strength. So Vic, you've, you've done a lot of services for us and other funeral homes in, in New Hampshire. Um, so in your experience, we've had people that were maybe traditionally raised Catholic or Protestant or agnostic or atheist. In your experience, is there one sort of family or type of family that may have some certain religious or non-religious background that, that tends to gravitate towards using a celebrant versus another, or is it really run the gamut? Um, I think that, or let's, let's say that I feel that people who... Uh, are very Catholic and are still attending their church or whether they're, uh, you know, Christian and attending a certain particular denomination, tend, and if they go to that particular facility or, or, or that 
um, you know, ritual every weekend, they will tend to still use churches. But people who have been raised Catholic or raised in a Protestant denomination or uh, even raised Buddhist, sometimes they've decided that they can't claim a denomination any longer, that they, they're very spiritual people, but they can't, they can't say any longer, I'm strictly this or that. And I find that they tend to want um, to express their love for their loved one, and they want to express their faith in the, um, a divine presence, but they want to do it differently than they were raised doing it, so they tend to, to uh, seek out um, in-house work. Vic, let's get a little bit technical. Um, you, as a celebrant, can um, come in and perform funeral services, memorial services, etc. Um, what can you do legally um, as, as a celebrant? Can you also perform weddings or baptisms or other types of ceremonies um, required, that require some sort of license or permit? I've never been asked to do a baptism, and I don't do that kind of work. But legally, I can marry someone because I'm a justice of the peace, so I can do that work. Right. Um, legally, I couldn't go into, say, a Catholic church and perform a mass or <laughs> that kind of thing. But I'm finding that the legality of the process of uh, putting closure to someone's life is less of a concern for people than... In other words, I feel like people at this particular time in history are more interested in the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law. Let's talk a little bit about um, social media. As a funeral home, we've, you know, we've over the years have been asked to, we want Wi-Fi in the building, we want video show, and we want it simulcast. How have you been able to, and do you get a lot of requests for somehow incorporating technology into, into ceremonies? I haven't really received those kinds of requests. Well, in terms of, yes, do, do they want music? Yes, do they want a video? But you take care of that here at this particular funeral home, which is the wave of the future. And I think that people, um, especially the younger generation, they're so technologically savvy. And they're used to video. They want to see that the pictures on the screen. And sometimes when the, the videos are running throughout the service, even while I'm talking, people very respectfully, respectfully are watching the screen and the memories are coming back. So that kind of thing is extremely important. Uh, I, and, I, and people are always wonderful about turning out their cell phones and, um, and being respectful of how they use technology. But it's necessary. So, with the with the couple minutes we have left, I guess I want to ask you: Is there is there one ceremony that you've created that sort of stands out in your mind as something special, or something that was extremely personal to you, or something that you remember? The very first one I did, I'll never forget because that was really nice. And then there was another one that um, where, uh, and I I forget, I won't mention the family's name, but they had um, their little grandson come the grandfather had passed and the grandfather and the grandson were very close and they had a little grandson who was only five years old and he came up with his little toy box that the grandfather had made for him and he was going to explain each toy and he got to the point where he couldn't do it he couldn't he just the little boy was like he couldn't talk so his dad came up and um and i went over to him and i put my arm around him and i said that's okay how about if daddy um, explains your toys, and he said yes. And um, 
And so his dad said, why can't you do it? And he said, because I'm embarrassed. And I said, (laughs) my heart went out to him. It went out to the father. But I thought this was so awesome because the child will never forget that at his grandfather's funeral. He was up there to talk about the toys that he and his grandfather had put in the toy box. And then the very first funeral I ever did, the man was a carpenter. The very first in-house, the man was a carpenter. And I read the the story, The Giving Tree. Mm. And The Giving Tree, of course, is such a beautiful story about how the tree kept giving and giving. And this man kept giving and giving to his family by making furniture. So that was really, really special. Victoria, as you mentioned, you work with families from so many different backgrounds. When you are working with a blended family of more than one religious background, how do you incorporate their religious beliefs of both sides of the family in a tasteful way? Um, When I'm doing the interview with people on the phone or in person, I always ask the sensitive questions. For instance, um, I always ask, and I'll say to them, you know, this might really sound strange to you, but do you want me to mention God or do you not want me to mention God? Because when I first have my interview with them, I don't really know if they are agnostic or if they are, if they have a belief. So when I find out that Yes, they want me to mention God. Yes, I was raised Catholic, but my mother, who we're burying, didn't believe in anything. It's, it's, it's the fine art of blending the fact that love conquers everything. So we don't even really have to talk much about, did I say this from, from my belief or did I say that from your belief? When you talk about compassion and love and the intangibles like kindness and gratitude, it covers everything. And... of the time, we've done more good than we haven't in our lifetime. So that's pretty easy. When the funeral's over, um, the family's gone home, the, you know, people have stopped sending flowers. Do you offer any kind of um, grief support to the family, uh, you know, over the long run? I do always tell my family that even though I'm going to be yours for four days and then it's going to end and that's when it's going to sink in, I'll always say, you have my email address, you have my phone number, feel free to call. I have had people call me afterwards and thank me. Um, A couple of people have refunded me on Facebook and they keep me up to date with what's going on in their life. Some have had a a few tragedies since then. Um, Most don't, but I've gotten some beautiful thank you notes in the card. Mm -hmm. So I always leave it open and if Mm -hmm. they need to call, if they need to email me, that's wonderful and and I appreciate it. You mentioned um, some of your families have uh, friended you on Facebook so you're comfortable kind of blurring that personal and professional line and allowing people into your personal life? I am. I am because of the work that I do other than funerals so um, and I have my website and my address and my phone numbers there and I'm very uh, I'm very comfortable with with that. Vic thank you. You're welcome. What a great topic. Honored to do this. Thank you for joining us on another informative episode of Dying to Talk. I definitely learned a lot. If our listeners have any questions about funerals or cremations, either in New Hampshire or Vermont, I'm happy to answer them. Just email me at buddy at That's buddy at P-H-A-N-E-U-F.net. Or call me on my direct line at 603-625-5778. Our contact information is in the show notes of this episode too. 